The Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So Jesus went with Jairus. And a large crowd followed Jesus and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from a hemorrhage for 12 years. She had endured many physicians, much under many physicians. She had spent all she had, and she was no better, but in fact had grown worse. She had heard about Jesus, and she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately, her hemorrhage stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone out from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before Jesus and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house and said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. So, when they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw commotion, people wailing and weeping loudly. When Jesus entered, he said to them, why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. <laughs> and they laughed at Jesus. Then Jesus put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Jesus took her by the hand and said to her, Talithi kum, which means little girl, get up. And immediately... The girl got up and began to walk about. She was about 12 years of age. At this, they were overcome with amazement. And Jesus strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give the girl something to eat. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. What is the most traumatic thing 
that has ever happened to you. As you recall it, you're probably going to need to take a deep breath as these memories get, get lodged in our bodies, not just our minds. Most of us will experience some kind of trauma in our lifetime. Trauma that takes us to the brink. Trauma that tests our faith. And in these times, we may say to ourselves, it's too much. I don't know if I can make it through this. Imagine mothers on this city's south and west sides grieving the murder of their children. Imagine the relatives of those missing holding vigil after the collapse of the condo building in the Miami area just a few days ago. Maybe you remember the moment that everything in your life changed in an instant. The doctor's diagnosis, the call or knock on the door telling of the accident, the beloved who says, it's over, I don't love you anymore, the person who violated your body without your consent, or the death of a loved one that ripped out your heart. Sometimes we experience trauma as a community, such as the pandemic. And I suspect that the recovery and the time of healing has only begun. Our first reading from Lamentations comes out of a traumatic communal experience. In 587 BCE, the Babylonians smashed the walls of the community's beloved Jerusalem and burned down the temple. Jerusalem in Lamentations is personified as daughter Jerusalem. And we'll come back to daughter in a moment. Now this is the only time that that little biblical book of Lamentations even appears in our lectionary. But I wonder how many of us could even say a few things about that book. I guess I won't bring a microphone down and see if we pass the Lamentations test. Although the reading that we heard today is very hopeful and quotes the beloved hymn, Great is Your Faithfulness, whoa, the context of Lamentations is anything but cheery. The book of Lamentations was written by people who had survived an unimaginable trauma. It's for people who have lost everything, lost everything they relied on for comfort and security. Suddenly, life makes no sense anymore. It's all too much. And I noticed a couple days ago a very shocking verse right before today's readings. My life was bereft of peace. I forgot what happiness was. To those who claim that everything that happens to us must be God's will, our gospel makes clear that God does not will human trauma or suffering or death. Now today we've got what I'm calling a Mark sandwich. One story inside another. The gospel writer Mark uses this device often, so there must be a reason for it. 
Now, both scenes have traumas and crowds pressing in on Jesus and the healing power of touch. The first character is Jairus. Jairus, the respected, possibly wealthy synagogue leader. He's at his wit's end. He begs Jesus to come and lay hands on his 12-year-old daughter who is near death. There's that word again, daughter. Now, parents who have faced a life-threatening illness of a child know this kind of trauma. The second character is an unnamed woman. For 12 years, she has suffered from a flow of blood. Religious sensibility at that time declared that she was unclean. We could say she faced religious trauma, being ostracized, marginalized, and separated from the community. One of our own members who worships at H.T. Loop, Brooke Peterson, wrote her doctoral dissertation on religious trauma, especially as experienced by LGBTQ people. If you are transgender, for example, and told you are a freak or rejected by God, it takes a toll on your body and soul. No wonder welcoming congregations and pride events and pride marches are so important because they proclaim the dignity and the worth of all, especially those considered outcasts or on the margins of society. So back to the unnamed woman. Now she had tried doctors to no avail. She was out of cash. But amid the great anonymity of a crowd, and we know what that's like, something causes her to be bold, to reach out and touch Jesus' cloak when he's not looking. And Jesus feels power. Jesus feels energy leave his body to hers. And he asks, who touched me? We imagine the woman sheepishly trembling and admitting that she did it. This is a remarkable scene. While time is wasting, while Jairus is waiting for Jesus to go to his failing daughter near death, Jesus attends to this outcast woman, calls her daughter, which means family, and declares that her faith has made her well, whole, healed. Now Jairus has faith too, like the unnamed woman. And Jesus raises the little girl up because he is the one who restores people to life and wholeness. And it is so amazing that in this section of Mark's gospel, Jesus continues to cross boundaries as he crosses the Sea of Galilee, the Jewish side and then the Gentile side always expanding divine reach, near and far, clean and unclean, respected leader, unnamed outcast woman. But let's be frank. 
Most of the time, the outer conditions of our illnesses do not change, do they? Even with a lot of faith. But we boldly reach out to touch the hem of Jesus' garment as well, longing for an inner sense of shalom and healing and wholeness and dignity. Here's what one writer of trauma says. We seek a sweet spot, a balance between ignoring the crisis, denying it, and over-dramatizing it as a martyr. It's a lifetime of work, isn't it? Being with the traumas in our own lives and our loved ones, not to mention the traumas in society, whether political, ecological, or social. While I was in my hometown of Longmont, Colorado, a couple weeks ago, Ernest and I visited one of the true saints in my life, 94-year-old Jean Larson. Her husband, Eugene, was the pastor of my congregation, my pastor while growing up. Together, their kind, open-hearted, and supportive presence was central to my call to ministry. But quite honestly, they were deeply loved by everyone. Now, 94-year-old Jean has lived through her own traumas. Her husband, in his 80s, fell off a, fell off a porch and eventually died. She buried an adult child following a bout with cancer. And there were other challenges as well. When I asked Jean what wisdom she could share about growing older gracefully, you know what the first thing she said was? It was advice from her sister over 100. Laugh often. I think that's the best part of my sermon today. The reminder to us to laugh often. But then she added that for her, she's able to face life's hardships when everything is too much because she knows she is held by divine grace. And I'm sure she could attest to this beautiful line from today's psalm, weeping may spend the night, but joy comes in the morning. Dear community, sometimes life is too much, isn't it? Yet our scriptures give us the freedom to lament, to grieve, to question where God is in it all. The traumas and trials of life are part of what it means to be fragile human beings. Yet somehow we still sing and we still proclaim, great is your faithfulness. Your mercies are new every morning. Every day is a gift. And that is truly too much. Too much beauty and too much grace for us even to take in.